I'd like to welcome you again here to our gathering. Today's a significant day in the life of our church. And so if you're visiting with us, and I, I do see some visitors among us, I do want to say welcome here. Today's a bit of a different day, different Sunday than any other Sunday you'd come here. Pretty much any week that you would gather here at this point in our gathering, I'd be opening the scriptures and we'd, we'd come to a particular passage and We'd wrestle with it and say, what is God saying to us? What is God calling to us? What good news is there for us from the Lord here for us? And today is a little bit different than that. You may say, oh, great, I came here because you preached the Bible. Now you're going to do a sales pitch on me or uh, talk about something else. Um, What we're doing this morning is we're letting uh, all of us in on what we believe as elders and pastors, that a vision that God has given to us, and it's my call to kind of share some of the wrestling of that vision uh, for us. And that that has taken about three years, probably, of uh, prayer and wrestling with the scriptures and seeking the Lord and talking and exploring options. And here we are today. We're launching a vision campaign that, yes, does include a fundraising component to it. But I do promise you, I do give you my commitment You're not in for three months of sales pitches. I want us to look back so that we can remember how God has brought us uh, here to this point, to today. Cornerstone was formed in 1994, and it was formed uh, with a couple of desires. It was formed with a deep desire to have a significant impact on the community that surrounds us, to be significantly involved with the community. The name Cornerstone Community Church was chosen for that very reason. It was, Cornerstone was founded with the, the conviction that the gospel is not just for us, but the gospel is meant to be shared, that the gospel is this good news that is to be announced to the world, and that the gospel propels us out to be a blessing in this world, that as salt that has a preserving effect, light that has a, um, a revealing effect in the community, that we're to, to be embedded in the community where God has planted us to be a blessing, that Virgil, that Niagara on the Lake, that the Niagara region should be better because we exist. And so the church was formed with this great desire to, to not be just all about ourselves, but to be about, um, to be a church that's not just for ourselves, but for those around us, those whom God has called us to. The church was also formed with a commitment to take risks on young people. That throughout our history as a congregation, we have taken risks and made significant investments and, uh, on young people. Back in the, the mid-90s, this church decided to call uh, a young guy named Ed Heinrichs to be a youth pastor here while there was a, probably a, less than a handful of youth at this church. This church has, has invested in uh, interns throughout our history. Guys like Doug Hebert or Matt Unruh, more recently Gabe Tromboli, Austin Ruddle, Craig Lowen, Michelle Regeer, Laura, Darren, on and on. This church has had this desire to raise up young people and to give young people leadership opportunities so that the future of our church would have uh, people who are disciples who are ready and equipped and trained to make other disciples. 
And because of these two commitments, because of this commitment to, to be a, a church not for ourselves and, not, and to be a church that, um, that takes risks on young people, that invests in young people, we have had to make sacrifices. We've had to sacrifice personal preferences. Some, and, and we honor this generation, many of whom have passed on, surrendered personal preferences of, the, of music style. And so Cornerstone just skipped the worship wars. As, as, as the worship wars were ripping other congregations apart, Cornerstone just skipped it. Because for the sake of young people, for the sake of reaching out, we surrendered, we sacrificed our personal preferences. And on and on it goes. We sacrifice control to give young people real, actual leadership opportunities. We have aspired to be a church not for ourselves. In the last decade, Cornerstone has been a church that has increasingly had a global vision. Whether it be in the nation of Burundi, where we've sent upwards of seven, I counted seven, but I think I'm missing a couple, seven teams for about ten days each. We've sent missionaries and funded them to crazy extents, actually. We've supported the grassroots movement of Harvest for Christ. We've brought their leader, Onus for here three times to learn from him. We've invested in this place called Moramvia that ministers to the poorest of the poor, literally in this world, the Batwa people. And on that site, we've been privileged and humbled to build a school, a medical clinic, provide food security, like built dozens of homes through our partnership with Harvest for Christ. That's just Burundi. Congo, a couple years ago, we sent over a quarter million dollars to help this church in this city of a million people to have a, a home base of ministry. We've given an annual giving to Congo as well. In Thailand, we've, we, a number of times we've given of our, uh, from our surplus, we've given to Thailand to establish a train, church planting training school to fuel a movement of church plants in this dark nation. You'll be hard-pressed to find a church in Canada our size that has accomplished so much globally. Leaders of mission organizations have told us that, told me that. It's unprecedented. And I say that not to pat ourselves on the back. But to remind us that mission is not just over there. And if I'd critique us, sometimes we say, yes, we're a mission church. Where's my checkbook? Here's 10 days and I'll go. But mission's also next door. It's across your street. It's across your cubicle. That each one of us is called to be an agent of the kingdom. Charles Spurgeon famously said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. That mission is more than short-term, more than financial. That God has placed us here in Niagara for a purpose. And that where he has placed us, in our, your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family, in your circle of influence, is not an accident. The call and the commission of Jesus, go and make disciples... Or literally, as you are going about your daily life, make disciples is a call not just for a few, but for all who name the name of Jesus.
And so as leaders in this congregation, we have been wrestling and praying. And one of the prayers that has emerged is from Colossians chapter 4. It's on the screen here uh, behind me. Colossians 4 gives this beautiful picture of a door and prayer. And Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, those who are outside of your local congregation, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And, one of, and this prayer that has emerged in our prayer gatherings, in our prayer summits, often in our groups, in our elder meetings, is, Lord, what's the door? 21st century Canada feels like closed doors. Hearts of our neighbors feel closed. That is, that you want to see someone clam up, talk to them about Jesus. You, see, you want to see conversations shut down, bring up Jesus. It feels like closed doors. So, Father, would you open to us a door for the word today, in our day, in our place? We see doors open globally like crazy. We see the church exploding in Thailand. We see this, the church forming in Burundi. And we see, we see so many great things globally. But don't forget here. Don't forget us. What's the door? We think we know what the door is. That's kind of the the crux of this vision campaign, the open door campaign, is we think we can understand a bit what the door is. We live in a polarized world, a hyper-busy world, and we believe the need for gospel-centered hospitality is greater now than ever. You might think hospitality, you might think of Martha Stewart, you might think of elaborate dinner parties, you might think of, you know, everything's just perfect, the hospitality industry, and you go to a five-star hotel, and, you know, the, the sheets are folded just right, and the toilet paper's folded, and everything's just perfect, and your performance is, the, the performance, and, and every detail is crafted for comfort and perfection. That's not biblical hospitality. Biblical hospitality is welcoming in strangers, welcoming in outsiders. In fact, treating outsiders, treating strangers as family so that one day they truly become family members. It's an opening of our homes and more than that, an opening of our lives to others to say you belong, you're welcome here. Communities and churches are no uh, no. Are no exception. Churches too often make belonging dependent on belief and behavior. And what I mean by that is this. If you want to belong here, if you want to belong to our little group, you better first believe what we believe. 
And so our, our, our inf- impact with outsiders is, first thing, first step, you're not part of us, you need to believe this. You need to believe these 16 things, probably. But you need to believe exactly what we believe. And then, uh, and then you can believe what we believe. Now I want you to start behaving like we behave. So get your life cleaned up. Start talking like we talk. Start doing the things we do. Start dressing like we dress. And then finally you can belong. The call of Jesus is to just reverse that order. Is to bring belonging to the front end and say, you're welcome. You are welcome here into my life. You are welcome into this community. You belong here. Jesus, with his disciples, said, come follow me to strangers who weren't convinced of who he was yet, didn't behave properly because Jesus had to correct them hundreds of times and said, how slow of heart you are to believe these things. Should you call fire down from heaven? And, and, and no, love these people. He called them to belong way before they believed and way before they behaved. And he does that over and over again. Think of Zacchaeus. He says, hey, uh, you up in the sycamore tree, I'm coming to your house. I'm your friend. Zacchaeus didn't believe anything about Jesus yet. Zacchaeus was a robber at that time. He didn't have his behavior altogether. The call of Jesus is to invite people to belong to us, to open our lives up. And say, you belong to, to, to my community. You're welcome here. You don't believe what we believe, and you don't behave the way we behave, but that's fine. Our love goes beyond, though, but beyond those things. Hospitality is the very nature of God. Our God is a radically hospitable God. Who, while we were yet sinners, who, while we were enemies with God, Christ died for us, welcoming us into his family, adopting us as his children, saying, you're in, you belong. I'm giving you life. And now I'll clean you up. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's not our repentance that leads to God being kind to us. It's not us getting our act together that, that somehow convinces God to be kind and gracious towards us. Hospitality is founded in the very character of God. And so the Open Doors campaign is an attempt for Cornerstone Community Church to become a hospitable community at every level of our community, at every level of our church, to say to people, you're welcome here, you belong here. It's, to, it's for us all together in a grassroots kind of organic movement to say, the, my home is no longer my personal private fortress, but my home is actually... Whether I live in St. Catharines or Niagara-on-the-Lake or Niagara Falls or at Pleasant Manor, whether I'm rural, rural, urban, suburban, wherever, my home is open to welcome others in so that they can see ordinary life lived in the light of the gospel. That the other people can see the hope and joy that the gospel brings to everyday kind of life. And so that the, we believe actually the front door of Cornerstone Community Church is the front door to your home. More Now more than ever, someone who's going to show up in this room will have first been around your dinner table. People aren't wandering in off the streets. More than ever before, the front door of the church is the front door 
to your home. We want to be, learn to be hospitable in our group, in our mid-sized groups. That, that our, our close our friends, those who we're doing life with, those who we're worshiping with and learning with and supporting and loving and caring for in the church, being the church to, that that's not a closed clique, but that's open. That we welcome those, those in as well. We're, we have these pilot groups that are going to be starting. And maybe you're not part of a group right now. Because you're like, oh man, my schedule, I can't add something. How about adding six sessions to study this little book? The simplest way to change the world, biblical hospitality is a way of life. We're having these short-term groups where just where you can start to think about and learn how to do this. If you're, if you're interested in that, if you're interested in a group, so I'd encourage you to put a connect card in. Or, a, yeah, a connect card. Or a learn card. Put in the offering later on in our service and say you'd like to learn more about groups and we'll follow up with you. Or talk to Matt. Matt was playing guitar here. He'd love to help you connect with a group, a long-term or a short-term pilot group. And learn and study this. Look how little this book is. It's not intimidating. It's not a hard book. I read it in an evening. You can too. So we want to learn to be hospitable at our home level. We want to be, learn to be hospitable at our group level. And we want to learn to be hospitable at our corporate level. That we actually believe we need to renovate this overcrowded, non-intuitive space to make it welcoming as well. So that there is space for others to come to know Jesus in his church. And these aren't unknown people. These are your friends. These are your neighbors. These are your coworkers. These are your family members. Your children. Your grandkids. They're your friends. And we, want to, we pray for them, and we love them, and we want them to come to know Jesus. We want to have space to invite them. Space to have a significant impact in our community, to welcome our community into the space all, year, all week long. Space to invest in young people again. Because we have a coming tsunami of young people. And we want to have a space to build community for them, where they can have mentors who love Jesus invest in them. We made a video to help explain a little bit more the vision of the Open Doors campaign. And I'm going to come back up and share just a little bit after we show this video. Right from our very beginning, Cornerstone has always had a deep desire to be a church that exists not just for ourselves, but for the benefit of those around us. We want to be the kind of people whose doors are always open to building new relationships and sustaining long-lasting friendships. We also have a long-standing culture of investing and caring for and nurturing young people. Many of these young people have gone on to become spiritual leaders in families, in communities, in churches, in the marketplace, and are having a significant impact around the world. All of this is to say we have aspired to be a part of fulfilling the mission given us by Jesus to make disciples. As we've immersed ourselves in our global mission, we've also grown locally. And as pastors and elders, and together at our monthly prayer summits, a frequent theme in our prayers has emerged out of Colossians 4. 
Here, Paul asks his friends to pray that God would open for us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. We believe that God is calling us to be a people who are marked by hospitality. Biblical hospitality is welcoming in the stranger. It's treating the stranger like family so that one day they actually become family members. We recognize that many of us are already living this way. Recently, Matt sat down with Oliver and Debbie to talk about what they've learned as they've opened the doors of their home to their neighborhood. Um, as I think about you and your family, I'm so impressed with the way you do life and that it's really intentional, that your faith becomes really intentional for you, uh, even right here in your neighborhood. And so I was just wondering, why did you guys do a reno? What were some of the reasons that, that you thought, hey, we want to do this? Well, I personally have always had a, a real um, desire for, like, I have the gift of evangelism. I, I can't help it. I, I see people, and I have um, this, this urge to, to share the gospel with them. And so for me, that tends to be why I bring them in. I remember family times, family celebrations. You just show up. And um, um, my mom had cake and dinner ready, and it was just, it was just uh, a wonderful time having people around. Our parents' house was always a place where people would come. There was always room at the table, and so that was kind of just the culture that we grew up in. And so our house wasn't big enough when people would come over, especially if they had kids. There just wasn't room at the table. We would have to extend somehow, and it was just very awkward. One of the things that we've been saying is the front door to the church is really the front door to your home. So part of this Open Doors campaign is that not only do we want to open some new doors at our church building on Highway 55 there to make it more hospitable, but, but really for people to engage with the church isn't always about showing up on Sunday morning. It's sometimes walking through your front door. How have you experienced that? It's one thing to hear a sermon, but yet I think the Holy Spirit can work in in either way, right? It can, he can work through the sermon and through the word that is being preached. And uh, it can also happen in, in conversations around, um, around the dinner table as you, um, as you explore more of God's character. Um, and that is also something that, that, uh, that, that needs to be learned. We are, it is one thing to open our door and to share food, but yet also um, it's all uh, to, to share in the greater, the greater things of life, the things that we might not see that are not obvious. If you could see your neighborhood from a bird's eye view, if you could see it as God sees it, you would see many people desperately longing for community and for connection. Sasha was happy to share with us his family's experience of receiving hospitality as they moved here to Niagara. Tell me a little bit about, about what it was like to move here from Toronto, leave your, leave your community there. How did you find community here? Whew, it was a long journey, I guess. Uh, we started, we were living in Toronto, finishing our PhDs. Both Alice and I were at U of T. We had a lot of family around us and friends. We had our first son, Kieran. Um, and then our second son, Stephen, while we were finishing our PhDs, and then decided to go traveling, kind of continue with our 
paths in academia. And we had the opportunity to go to Germany. And that was a great experience. We, it was one of the first times that we really felt alone in the world. We didn't know anybody, we didn't speak the language. And it was a great experience for us coming together as a family, uh, coming to depend on each other and coming to realize that we could make it in a foreign place uh, from a fresh start. And coming back, you have all these kind of concerns as a parent. You have, we had uh, two kids when we left for Germany. We uh, had two more in Germany, so we had four coming back. And um, it's one of those situations where you know you're going to be fine, but you worry that the kids are going to be okay, that they'll integrate, that the community has lots of things for them to offer, you know, spiritually and, you know, in terms of what your neighbors are like, what your, your whole community is like. So it seems to me that you had met quite a few Cornerstone families too when you were here. Uh, how did that come about? Most of it honestly came through the kids. Uh, we met um, quite a few families really quickly on. They were very welcoming. They brought us right into their homes, you know, brought us home for lunch, for dinner, just to see who we were, to meet us, to welcome us into the community. And that was one of the greatest things, is just feeling that, you know, that extended hand of welcome, to say welcome into our community. And it made a huge difference, especially in the beginning. And that was almost an, an afterthought in a way. We were just welcome into people's homes and it just kind of progressed so naturally through the love and patience and kindness of the, you know, the people at Cornerstone. We believe there are many more stories like Sasha's waiting to be told. And we can't wait for the opportunity to include many more people in our family and to introduce them to who Jesus is and what he's done. The reality is, is we are already overfilling our facility on Highway 55. And so therefore, this fall, Cornerstone is embarking on the Open Doors campaign. This initiative involves both an organic movement of neighborhood hospitality, as we learn together what it means to open our homes and our lives to strangers. And it involves a fundraising campaign where we will seek to raise the funds necessary to transform our building into a place of hospitality. Now we know that you probably have some questions. And we want you to know that as leaders, as pastors and elders, we've been wrestling with what to do for a long time as well. Well, I've always been passionate about Cornerstone right from the beginning, um, like mid-90s when it started. And I always thought if, if God was gracious enough to, to bless our efforts um, to grow a church here, um, that would be totally, totally amazing. Um, now it seems with more people, it, it's becoming more difficult to, to function in a, an efficient way. And so the question over the years has been like, do we actually spend a lot of money building new facilities? And personally, I've been one of the people with, uh, with uh, the thought that it, uh, the kingdom of God doesn't need more facilities. Um, and yet, um, in order to, to uh, advance, to grow, um, it needs space. And, uh, and we, we, we want to be a place where people feel comfortable. So we've got a huge opportunity to, to reach out to people moving into our into our town and so I started thinking about how how that would happen how that could happen and my stubborn brain was starting to get softer to the idea of, of uh, spending some money and 
reaching out in terms of community life. Um, there's a whole host of, uh, of opportunities, and uh, I've, I'm basically come to the point where I think this is a great opportunity for us. We have uh, a staff that believes in raising the banner of Jesus high, and uh, the scriptures say if, that, if we do that, he's going to draw people to himself. And I, I can see that, that um, maybe we're just at the, the precipice, the threshold of God doing something great in Niagara. So we really do believe that God is opening up new opportunities for us right here in Niagara. And we're incredibly excited about partnering with him to make Jesus known right here where he's called us. We have prepared some conceptual designs to help us envision some of the possibilities of what the transformation of our campus on Highway 55 could look like. While the details of this family home renovation will be discerned by us all together during our campaign, we are thrilled at the possibilities of transforming our family home so that it can reflect the kind of hospitality we believe God is calling us to. And so Cornerstone, your elders and pastors are asking you to do three things. First, we're asking you to pray because we believe that no vision of this magnitude can be accomplished without sustained and united prayer. And so ask God who it is that he would want you to invite into your homes and into your life. Ask him how he would have you manage the financial resources he's entrusted to you. And second, we're asking you to engage. Throughout the fall, we will be hosting a series of campaign vision nights in the homes of people who are part of our church, where together we will all discern how it is that God is leading us. And so I'm asking that every single one of us sign up for and attend one of these vision nights. And third, we're asking you to give. We believe that generosity is more a posture of our hearts than it is a number on a piece of paper. And we're asking that as you hear the voice and call of God in your life, that you obey. On Sunday, October 29th, we will gather together our one-time gifts and three-year commitments towards the Open Doors campaign. And the next Sunday, we'll gather together to celebrate what God has done among us. Cornerstone, we believe that this is a defining moment for us. This is an opportunity for us to give with joy and purpose, to give generously and sacrificially for the flourishing of our community. And I am so excited about what God is going to do among us. Any questions? Pro tip. Um, when there's going to be a video that you're in, just leave. It's so awkward. Hey, Dave? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's not my cup of tea. Anyhow. There's going to be a lot of time for us to engage with this. Kind of, like I said, we've been wrestling with this with, for three years, and we've dropped a bomb, and you probably have all kinds of questions. We're going to talk about, about some next steps. We're going to talk about some potential uses of the building uh, tonight. Um, but I just want to share three really brief reasons why we think it's this is God's call for us. Why? I want to just share a little bit of the why. First, it's our time. We think it's our time. We think churches die when they clo and they close when they get comfortable and self-satisfied. 
when they choose comfort over calling. You see, God has blessed us. And he always blesses his people to be a blessing. He always blesses his people to be a blessing. As Randy Alcorn says, is it possible that God has increased your standard of living so that you could increase your standard of giving? You see, God has blessed us with more people than ever. He's blessed us with more money than ever. We're spending it all, but he's blessed us with more pastors than ever. Not so that we can feel good and stable, but because to whom much is given, much is required. And the church is always called to be a river, not a reservoir. It's our time to be a blessing. Secondly, it's not only our time, it's our turn. You see, we're here by the faith of others. You're sitting right now. I don't know if you realize that you're sitting in someone else's sacrifice. I love to go through some of the picture albums that are in my office that I inherited when I took over as pastor here. Um, But this room that we're built in and was built in 1941 on the sacrifice of many people. Who have sacrificed more than I think we would we ever will. You know what they did a couple years later? They built Eden. Anyone here blessed by the ministry of Eden? Anyone here blessed by the ministry of this church? We are sitting in someone else's sacrifice. And we think it's our turn to plant, to sow, to sacrifice for future generations. But the most compelling reason, I th- the, the most compelling why is that it's our task. You see, the church is not a club. God has given us a mission. And, 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 he, and again, he's not... The call isn't for us to compare ourselves to other churches and feel good about ourselves and say, yeah, we're the biggest or we're the, we're the most healthy church in Niagara-on-the-Lake. That's not the call. It shouldn't make us feel good. The comparison is to lost people around us. And our heart needs to break for the mission. Because right here, from this spot, I can go on a 10-minute on a walk and I could meet 3,000 people who don't know Christ. Who are headed for eternity without Jesus. And that ought to break our hearts, Cornerstone. It ought to break our hearts. People need Jesus. We're old-fashioned that way. We believe people need Jesus. They need to belong to his church. They need to know his love. They need to be forgiven of their sin. Eternity is at stake. And we don't want to just play church here. We want to take ground. We want to walk by faith. And take steps where if God doesn't come through and provide in miraculous ways, we're sunk. That's how I feel this morning. Like we're talking millions of dollars. And I have no idea where that's coming from. But the Lord spoke so clear at so many times. Joshua, be strong and courageous. I preached on that a couple weeks ago. Be strong and courageous. Go forward. Move forward. Take ground. Yes, they're stronger than you. Yes, you have no idea how you're going to conquer Jericho. Jericho should smother you. But I'll make the walls fall down. We're taking a step where if God doesn't come through and provide, if God doesn't take our five loaves and two fishes and multiply it enough to feed a multitude, we're sunk. 
Well, again, we'll talk some next steps tonight at our gathering. We're going to talk about some more of the vision. But a couple of things I want you to know. I want you to know that your elders and your pastors are unanimous on this. And we've waited until we were. This is a move of God we want to be a part of. And all of us are in. We've wrestled with what to do for years. And this is not, despite the fact that I'm up here representing and I'm on that stinking video, and it's not Kevin's crazy idea. This is together as elders and pastors wrestling. And we've become united on this. And while it's not just my crazy idea, I do want you to know that I'm all into. That I would never call you to something that I'm not willing to do myself. And I'm not doing this for me. I'm content to just stand up here and preach the word and preach the gospel. And that's, that's great. But I do not want to offer to God, like David, something that costs me nothing. And friends, I want revival. I want to see the church advance in Niagara like we've never seen it. I'm dying for it. And I want to spend my life with this church for the kingdom of God. I want to empty myself for the glory of Jesus. And I want my kids to know when they gather around my casket and throw dirt on my face that this, that dad really believed in Jesus. He really believed in the promises of God. He didn't spend his life after money. He didn't spend his life for the next vacation. He didn't spend his life to earn a second home. He really believed in Jesus. And he gave everything he had to see Jesus made famous in our day. The greatest reward is not a retirement. The greatest reward is not a second home. The greatest investment is not your RSP. The greatest investment is not more real estate. The greatest investment of your life is to hear, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've taken what I've entrusted to you and you've used it for my purposes. Is there moments of fear and doubt and questions? Absolutely, and we welcome those. We welcome the questions and even the doubts. Is there moments of fear? I have a math degree. I have a degree in university for math, so I can do the the math of... This many millions of dollars divided by this many giving units. What? Doesn't make sense. We need God to come through. So, Father in heaven, we look to you now. We say this is your church, we believe this is actually your vision. And we together as a family want to discern and hear from you. We want to move forward. We want to see Jesus made famous in our day, in our place. We want to see him made famous in Thailand. We want to see him made famous in Burundi. We want to see him made famous in Congo. And we want to see him made famous in my neighborhood, on my street, in my workplace, in my family, an extended family, in my circle of influence, on my hockey team. Wherever it is, we want Jesus to be made famous for the good of our neighbors and friends and for your glory. So come, Father. We look to you and submit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.